Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here with the Common Sense Show, the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. Thanks for staying with us through the intro into our guest segment. And in just a moment, we're going to be talking with Lisa Haven. And we haven't had Lisa on for a few months, um, but you're no stranger to her if you've been following us any length of time. And we're going to be talking about protest movements across America that are standing up to these ridiculous restrictions that have nothing to do with spreading the virus. I agree with Mike Adams. Put put face masks on for seven, eight weeks, and the vulnerable stay at home, and we could mitigate this quickly, but that's not the goal here. And we're going to get into all that with Lisa in just a minute, but first got to pay some bills. And we are bringing some people to you that can not only pay our bills, but can help you tremendously. One of them, and I think that you really need to pay close attention to this, is storable food. And you're saying, Dave, we're kind of like getting through this crisis. We're entering three phases, and you know, we're going to get into that too. But let me share this with you. Representative Massey came out and said we're weeks away from major food shortages, and we are. And, and ladies and gentlemen, trust me, your gathering of food and water filtration supplies is going to be an ongoing struggle, not just for a couple of months, but for the next several years. Because that's how long recovery is going to take, even if we got started now. We've wrecked our country. We've allowed people to wreck our country. And storable food and, and gathering of food, ramen noodles, whatever it would be, this is going to be part of your daily existence here. This is You're not going to get out from underneath of this. And the sooner that we wipe the cognitive dissonance out of our eyes, the sooner we'll realize it. Go to preparewithdave.com. Place your order. The pre-sale options of January are still in effect for four and two week food. Restaurant quality, preparewithdave.com. And also if you have food, you have to have water. Hello, water, got it? Water, water filtration. What if people walk off the, the job? What about you got a shortage of water? What about, what about, what about? You live at a time where the Democrats want to subjugate you so you hate Trump and you'll vote against him in November. That's their entire game plan, and they'll do anything to accomplish that. Food and water. Waterwithdave.com, 40% off is what they're offering. It's the best filtration system in the world. The research is on the site, and and preparewithdave.com for food. Listen to me, folks. I'm going to say this clearly, and then we're going to move on to our guest. Your preparation has just begun. Oh, Dave's fear-mongering. Okay, keep believing that. And then you'll come back and beg, Dave, can you facilitate my food order? Dave, can you get me that water filtration that's on three months backlog now? Can you please do that for me? Please, Dave, please, please, please. I can already tell you, it's going to happen. To some degree, it's happening to me now. Wake up and take care of yourself. If you don't want to buy from us, that's fine. But if you don't take care of these needs, don't come to my front door because we're prepared. Lisa Haven is a leader in our movement. She is on top of recent trends. She has predicted much of what's taking place today. Uh, I, I mean, it's like she has a crystal ball. No, she doesn't. She pays attention to the trends, and she does the work that most of us don't have the time to do. Lisa, I want to welcome you to the show. Very gracious of you to appear on such short notice, and thanks for reaching out to me about these upcoming uh protest particularly the one here in phoenix oh yeah i'm i'm excited to get out there and and start supporting on a side note i, I want to get into that but 
Um, I wanted to say you brought up food really quick. And I don't know if you know this about me, but my husband works as a food manufacturer. So he is VP of the company. And basically he says uh, they deliver to both restaurants and to grocery stores. Some of his clients include like Safeway and, and um, AJ's and Fry's. So you're big retailer. So speaking of food shortages, a lot of people don't understand what's truly going on. Now, COVID-19 and fear of COVID-19, and I'm, I'm gonna kind of break it down for everyone, sure. that there is coming food shortages and they're going to get worse, not going to get better. The longer we are locked down, and this is coming from somebody who, my husband works in the industry, so we, we have these discussions, and this is what he's running into. Uh, for starters, you have people who come to work, they're scared to go to work. That's as a result of COVID-19. And so you've got people not coming in, so you're getting short staff. Then you've got the government saying, okay, if they can't come in, then then uh, you pay, you get paid a couple of months through the government, which is almost an incentive to not work. And this includes essential workers too. So they're not showing up. Uh, and that's not even the biggest part of it. The biggest part of it is the lockdown. Now, here's what happened. As soon as they closed all the restaurants, well, manufacturers deliver to restaurants and grocery stores. Usually it's both. Sometimes it can be one or the other. Uh, but most of them uh, go both ways, as in my husband's company that, that he's, he, he works with. It goes both ways, both to restaurants and to um, grocery stores and the products that he sells. Well, when they cut the restaurant supply off, which is what they've done across all 50 states for the most part, and said, oh, okay, you can only go down to delivery. Well, obviously, your demand for product, it, go, it gets cut three quarters down. So now that put a couple of manufacturers out of business here in Arizona already. And they're bankrupt, they're out. They, they checked out. So what happened? Thankfully, that didn't happen to his company yet. But all those that have already went bankrupt in the food industry, um, well, their supply need transferred to the bigger companies, which is why we're just killing off mom and pa companies with this. That's what's happening. So it transferred through to his company, but now he's already somewhat short staffed. You can't pick up the extra uh, demand. Plus there's an extra demand on top of the fear and, and people buying more than normal. So now they've got to meet the demand of the businesses, the manufacturers that closed as a result to the restaurants closing. And this is really what happened. And so now he can't meet the demand because their company wasn't built to suck up two to three other companies that have closed down. So ergo, you have shortages. And I didn't even get into to some of the uh, traveling and and uh, you know the truckers and whatnot, and that's just a part of it. So the longer and further we get into this, the more that's going to happen. Yeah, that is. And, you know, and I, you might not have seen this. I did a podcast on the food shortages maybe ten days ago, and I had talked to, and these people won't come on the record. It was kind of frustrating, but I talked to three people who were on. Two of them were on organizations like what they call the co-ops, you know, for the grocery stores and so forth and I talked to someone in the restaurant business and here's what they said to a person and almost they're working off an identical script they said that last year Americans ate more meals out than they ate in so right away you created a 50 percent deficit and they said now some of that I got the figure about 15 to 18 percent for the drive-by uh, takeout deliveries from the restaurants of what they were originally doing so let, let's just say there's at least a, a 35 to 40 percent food deficit 
just from the beginning. And then you mentioned the trucking and so forth and so on. But the one thing they also mentioned to me was the packaging, because I asked this question and they acted like it was a stupid question. And I guess it is if you're in the industry, it's not if you're a layman. And I asked the layman's question, why can't you just transfer you know your food processing for restaurants and make it available as grocery stores one fda regulations which could easily be waived but number two they said to redo the packaging would take months if not well over a year do you know anything about that i do my brother he he actually works in that industry i have a lot of people my brother does packaging for all of like your M&Ms, your Snickers bar, like all the candy across. But it gives me an idea of what it takes. So he literally develops some of the formats for it. And he's kind of like an overseer of the entire company and uh, of the packaging aspect of it, I would say, not the entire company. But um, basically it takes, it's a whole entire process to come up with the design, create the design, get it approved, have the package in. And while they can run through it and just gloss paper it over it, well, who's going to want to sell that? I mean, because you can't just set something out. So it's an entire process and it could take six months, uh, even further than that in some cases, but to add that kind of demand on these factories, it, it would be impossible to get because they're already pretty maxed out where they're at and they can add but to add you know thousands of restaurants there's just not enough packing industry because like I said my brother takes on not just Skittles you know but the whole industry basically so it goes through one little area so it's not like you have one packaging firm per per per, you know, say uh, Skittles or, or just for McDonald's. It's, it's a one that does multiple, if that makes sense. It does. And, and I want to say this to the listening audience. Lisa and I know each other and we've known each other for a long time and we've collaborated on many different things, but we did not rehearse this part of the discussion. This was not going to be the focus of what we are going to talk about, which we're going to get to in a minute. But I want to emphasize right here, this was impromptu. And you've got two people here that are coming at this from entirely different sources. Lisa has primary sources. I have people that I've reached out to. And we're getting exactly the same message here. We are just a stone's throw away from major food shortages in this country. And I can tell you this, hear me and hear me clearly. I have had discussions with two senior federal law enforcement agents that I have been working with clandestinely for years, and they've always been right, haven't they? Those of you who followed me, they have already practiced for several months now, going back to January, food riots that they say, both of them say independently, are coming. And I'm telling you, don't you don't have to buy MPS storable food from us. But you need to go get ramen noodles, canned food, and you need to do this daily. Listen, we feel we're prepped here in the Hodges household. My wife and my sister-in-law, who's staying with us in the moment, they make daily runs. We are not stopping because we know how bad this is. And when you got your two years of storable food, which Bob Griswold and every other expert says you're going to need, you need to have a plethora of seeds. And guess what, boys and girls? Walmart's cutting that off, too. Yeah, that's the sad part. And, and it is. It, it, it really is. Like my um, my father-in-law, he works with like the bread industry. My husband does 
uh, more like Mexican food industry and all of that. And so he also did Italian and, and Italian products for a while. So we know a lot about the industry. And I mean, we're ready ourselves, but it's just like the longer these lockdowns last, the worse it's literally going to get. And then we have people who are literally, you know, it, it, it's like, it, it doesn't matter almost. The people who I'm gonna say lockdown supporters, um, it's like almost as if they're happy sitting at home in their little bubble because they think they're protected. And the truth of the matter is that at some point you're gonna have to open the country. You can't you can't leave it closed down. Unless they're gonna leave it closed down for two years, uh, this virus isn't going away. And, and that's not something that's even logical. And you'd have to shut down the whole world at that. Uh, so what we're doing isn't even doing anything other than quote, and this is what you hear, from President Trump and all of them slow the spread. And everybody is misunderstanding that as stop the spread, as saving lives, as as we're, 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 we're not having so many people die. No, we're slowing it down to spread out the deaths. That's all that means. And so is that truly worth risking millions of lives to, to, to uh, over this economic crisis that that's happening right now and the answer is no because millions of people died during the great depression i believe it was seven million and i put out a report the other day and uh, i think it was brenner's statistics that i use he's he put out a report showing how many people die on average during economic chaos well for every one percent increase forty-seven thousand people die be it of suicide be it of murder be it of crime be it of heart attacks and he took that and figured it out well here's the normal heart attack this is the uptick that happens uh and so he factored it to forty-seven thousand. well right now we're at 13 percent and normal normal percentage is around three to four percent out of a job well if you take that pricing increase and multiply it by forty-seven thousand, right we're talking about 600 and i think it was 58 over six hundred thousand deaths yes, yes. Uh, that we're talking about here and that puts even coronavirus to shame. So this is what we're we're talking about adding to the death count. And that's just based off of 22 million people who've lost their job, because we're only at 13%. That's about to climb to 20, and it could go beyond 20, 25. I think it'll be even higher depending on how long we go. So take that 600,000 number, and for every point, add 47, 47, 47. So imagine where we, we would be at with 20% unemployment rate. It's unheard of. Lisa, I don't even believe it's 20%. You've got 313 million Americans on lockdown. You've got the majority of their businesses out of business. And a lot of those that are in business are operating at a fraction of what they were doing prior to COVID. I think the unemployment rate is closer to 50%. Yeah, which, you know, I, I'm not to, I think that that's actually possible. But even on a 20, say we, we were at 21%, that's a million lives right there. A million. So 50, yeah. So if you take 50 and multiply it by 47, because it's for every 1% increase, you would have, um, or 47,000, doing the math real quick, 2,350,000 lives lost if we got to 50%. And so this is this is the mass scale of of what we're talking about here. We have stores boarding up their shops because they know it's about to hit. They know what's coming. And meanwhile, we're worried about something that's a little worse than the flu. But they're at they're they're inflating the numbers, which just ticks yes. me off. Yes, they are. I, 
I, I can't even tell you what is it. New York added 3,700 cases the other day because it, they presumed, which means they assumed people had it. And then and then Washington went, and I, I don't even remember the number from Washington went and did the same thing. But the CDC, you can go to the CDC website, and they are they're very open about it, and they say yes, we're adding presumed cases. If you think it's coronavirus, add it in. Not only that, but if you have cancer and you get coronavirus and you're under chemo or whatever, they count you as a coronavirus death. Here's the catch-22 with that. If you had cancer and got the flu and and died you know, in your chemo, they would count you, count you as a cancer, not a flu virus. So why are they doing it with COVID? And the same goes on with AIDS and, and, and coronary heart disease and all of this. They're adding it all to COVID. Yeah. I have an answer to your question. I know your question was kind of rhetorical, but I have a response. If you can inflate numbers, and and I'll just tell you one more quick inflation story to show the ludicrousness of what's going on. In Baton Rouge, a mother was dying, so they extracted her fetus in in really a vain attempt to save it. It was 22 weeks premature, and they called the death of the fetus coronavirus. I don't think there's ever been a more ludicrous death certificate than that. And that just as exemplifies what's going on all across the country. But, you know, when we take a look at what you're saying here, um, these people are going to keep inflating the numbers because the numbers are coming out of large urban areas, largely they're blue cities in blue states. And I'll just say this, you know, was it Chicago, New York, Baltimore, Los Angeles? Okay, these are areas that you're seeing huge death spikes in, and they're democratically controlled. They have motive to keep us under lockdown because the more miserable miserable we become, the more that people will blame Trump and it could flip the tables on the election. That is their sole purpose for what they're doing. Let, let me make a prediction for you, and, and uh, I don't think you're gonna disagree with me, but here it is. Considering that the death count is being inflated, it's being added to, and considering as far, and and, and then you also consider the regular test count, which is just the overall how many people have contacted COVID, which is actually lower than what it should be because so many people likely have had it and haven't gotten tested, right? So one's being inflated, one's going in the other direction. But here's my prediction. My prediction is in the future, hardly anyone's going to want to go and get a test. Why? Because in order to open the country, you have to have 14 days of low COVID count and blah, blah, blah. So people are going to be scared to get the test because they don't want to, they want to open the country. They're sick of being home. So what's going to happen? Well, they're going to continue to inflate the death count and thereby uh, raising the mortality rate to something it really and truly is not. What do you think? Oh, I think you're right. And uh, I have now adopted a new position. And uh, this will kind of lead us into where we were originally going to go. But I think this is all valuable background. But I will say this. There's an increasing number, but yet not a critical mass number, of people who are waking up. Yesterday, the fight was taken to the home of the Democratic governor of Minnesota. And Trump tweeted out, liberate Minnesota. I laughed forever on that. I saw that tweet. I will um, tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we've got people um, all across this country right now, including California, that are now protesting against what's going on. And, and here's what Joseph Stalin said that we need to keep in mind. I love peaceful protesters. I'm not calling for violence, 
but I'm calling for extreme disruption of Democratic officials who have political motives to keep us under lock and key. We need to take the fight to their homes, to their businesses, and we need to bring them to their knees the same way they have brought the country to its knees. Oh, I agree. And that's why I want to encourage people, if you live in Arizona, come out to the Patriots Day Rally. It's on April 20th, this Monday at noon. And it's there at the Wesley Boslin Memorial Park, 1700 West Washington Street. Uh, because this is one way we have to start, we have to start doing this uh, in Arizona. And if not, they're going to take advantage uh, of our freedoms. And and that's I don't think that's something that that we need right now. We need to start standing up like we're seeing in other states. We actually have the mayor. I think it's the mayor of Phoenix, Kate. I think it's Katie Gallo, right? What's her? Gallego, yeah. Yeah, Gallego, Gallego. She's out there telling people, giving phone numbers to report people. She's saying she wants to keep the state closed. So, you know, people need to start going to her Twitter page and her Facebook page and letting letting her know our true feelings. And this is one reason, you know, and we don't know what Doug Ducey is going to do quite yet. I don't think he's fully announced it, at least last I checked. No. And so yes. we need to stand up and let them know. And the more people that are out there supporting us, the better. Um, now, Dave, I don't know if you saw this, and, and I think this this is this will add to the reason why we need a protest. In the guidelines that were, and, I, and you may have, but uh, in the guidelines that Trump, the Trump administration uh, just put up on Thursday, you know how they had the phased openings and then what you have to do to go forward? You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. Yes. Okay. In there, I found something that chill was just chilling. Okay. And in order to be able to start even getting into the phases of openings, you had to do the three things. The downward trajectory within a 14-day period, your hospitals had to have treat all patients without crisis care, robust um, testing program, all of that, right? But there was one part of that, and I haven't heard many people talk about it, and it's this. You had to have, a and it's on page two, uh, if anybody wants to check, and it's on the second page of his opening up or... Yeah, second page of opening up. Uh, but you had to have a downward trajectory of influenza-like illnesses for a 14-day period and, and a downward trajectory of COVID for 14 days, both. So here's what they've done. COVID wasn't big enough. They included the flu in. And if those two requirements are not met, including the flu, then they can return to a phase or put more mitigation and rebounds on a particular state. And I'm not even joking. And I wish I was. And that was something that I was like, holy crap, they just put that in there. I mean, I haven't even I mean, did you do you know what I'm talking about? Did I you know exactly what you're talking about, because I've made the statement that this is so open-ended they could keep us under lock and key forever that's what that's about that's what i said okay so every year now we have an uptick in the flu up oh, it's time to go through and phase that's our new logo we're going to phase the country over the flu and they included the flu in there so come this fall we're going to have an uptick in the flu because we do every single year and they just told us under these guidelines that if there's an uptick in the influenza like illnesses that includes pneumonia that includes flu then we have to start being phased again and they didn't put an end date on these guidelines no end date no time frame which means this is not going away from what i understand it's not going to go away we're not going to see mitigation um in a serious fashion we're just going to get the promise of mitigation the promise of a rollback 
Meanwhile, we are, if we started today, I've, I've been talking to economists and uh, they all say the same thing. If we started today to go back to work, it would take years to undo the damage that's already been done. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. Imagine, okay, imagine they keep, and, and that's, what it, that's what it looks like. It looks like to me they've included the flu officially, which means this is forever. Amen. This is whenever they feel like they need to lock us down. What is that going to do to our country, to our economy? It is going to obliterate it. Like we're already obliterated, but there will never, ever, ever, ever be the option to recover because every year they're going to have some kind of quarantine in place. So that tells me that they this is the card 100% to take down any country that makes money, any country that is successful, like the United States of America. This is the card by the globalists, not only to take us down, but to keep us down forever because it's non-recoverable. How do you see Trump's role in this? I don't know. In, in all honesty, you know, I support him when I when when he's doing the right thing and he's standing for freedom, I stand with him. If he's not, I'm going to go the other direction. Uh, and on this, I mean, I, I I don't know because it's so hard because here we have he's he's given Fauci and Dr. Burks and, and, and all these platforms. And he, he allowed that to slip in the guidelines. And I don't know if he allowed that or he was forced into it or whatnot. But it's almost as if I mean, I've never seen things this bad, even under Obama, it wasn't this bad. Now you can attribute that to, well, he's fighting against globalism, or you can attribute that to he's one of them. So there's two separate directions that people can take. But at some point, President Trump's going to have to say enough is enough. I'm going to save our country regardless. And I'm not seeing that yet. So I I'm on the fence right now, and and so I'm terrified. I I support the president, but I don't support him and and a lot of what he's doing right now because he needs to take more bolder action, and I'm not seeing it yet. Well, I have a real problem with this. If I go out in public and make a press release and say, you know, my boss, he's just full of doo-doo, doesn't know what he's doing, should have acted earlier, and forget the fact that I'm talking about at the time I'm saying he should have acted, I was saying doing the opposite. I would expect when I showed up for work the next business day, I'm fired. And yet that's what Fauci was allowed to do on Jake Topper's show on CNN about his boss, Donald Trump. And to make things worse on February 29th, at the time that we should have already been in full lockdown, according to Fauci, he said, we don't want to overreact to the virus. Yet Trump tolerates this BS and this man still appearing before the cameras. It's unconscionable. It is. And they, they, Rand Paul, uh, Rand or Ron, or both of them, were putting out uh, reports saying we need a, there's a petition. You guys can check out their page there to fire Fauci. And I'm like, we need to fire Fauci like a long time ago. And why doesn't the president take action on that? And that's the question that I think we need to ask. We know I put out a report about Fauci. Speaking of right, speaking of the devil, (laughs) he funded the Wuhan lab. He was the NIH, the National National Institute of Health, which he is the director of the NIAID or or whatever the letter that which which is with the NIH. And he's been since 1983 
something, and I'm trying to remember, but at least for a long time now. Anyway, he was the one in charge for funding that was given to the Wuhan lab. Wuhan lab, $3.7 million given to the Wuhan lab by the NIH, the United States of America, and Anthony Fauci was the point guy on that. This is the guy, okay, who is now up there acting like he wants to save the country. The guy who basically funded the, the Wuhan lab, give me a break. And then he even funded research in 2007 that was spe specifically related to SARS-CoV and um, uh, SARS-CoV and bats. I mean, so it can be suggested, it can be a possibility, if you will, that he's the man that's behind it. He funded it, and now he's up there saying, acting like he's the savior. He's no savior. Let's make that clear. He's a wannabe president. And second. He should be arrested just for that alone. And here we are. We're just allowing him to take his his place next to the president. Um, yeah. And, and there's another factor involved, too. Um, and people say, dude, what's your qualification for saying this? In my Ph.D. program, I took two courses related to organizational psychology. And uh, and I've been supervisors. I own a business. And so I think I'm qualified to speak on this. And let me just say this very clearly. When you have doctors in charge of something like this, and only doctors, their only objective is to kill a virus. Well, first of all, that's an imaginary task because that's not going to happen, as you already pointed out. And they're using a, a sledgehammer to kill a fly approach. And where Trump made a horrendous mistake, and this is where I'm not even going to give him a break in judgment, because he's headed major corporations. He knows about organizational psychology, I'm sure, much better than I do. And yet I'm telling you this, they should have had economists, they should have had psychologists, they should have had people from every walk of life that would be affected and be able to consult on the effects of this lockdown. And all we got were the people with conflicts of interest to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or more notably to Eli Lilly that funded the, the medical education of the current Surgeon General. We have a stacked deck against the American people and, and this expert panel is hardly expert, they're one dimensional. Agreed, and here, here's the other fact of that. I, I don't think, I don't know, maybe it's not the right thing, but maybe it is. If I don't think Trump is going to get more bold in his actions unless we the people say we're off the Trump chain because you've you, you, you've allowed yourself to be a puppet. We're done until that point happens. I think he's just going to continue on uh, middle ground on this. I don't know. I agree with you. I, I agree. It doesn't matter who you vote for now because either vote is a vote for enslavement. With the Democrats, it'll be more brutal. And and I wrote an article to, uh, on uh, Saturday, uh, April the 18th, in which I talked about 18 dates that led to the demise of America. And in there, I put clear documentation that FEMA is now importing and has been for some time from Brazil, cyanide gas. Uh, I'm not joking when I say this. And I've got Celeste Salam's interview up there too as well saying, yeah, uh, gassing and guillotines are in the plan, and she's a former FEMA insider. So that'll be the Democrats if they take over and win the 2020 election, if we have an election. With Trump, it'll just be the slow burn demise of our economy, and America will relegate itself into third world status. That's how I see it right now.
that's what's that's what the that's what's happening. I mean, if we continue these rolling lockdowns for years on end, which is what it seems like they're doing with these new guidelines, well, then yeah, we will be a third world country. That's not survivable when you tell uh, people every you know every. Uh, over the winter, you know, when the, when the flu hits, you have to close down your businesses again. You can't survive that. You, all that's going to happen is it's going to make us less prosperous, less big in the world, and we're going to become a, a chaotic nightmare. And 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 I and I keep waiting, you know, more and more for people to stand up. And that's why we have to understand how important these rallies are. You know, we have to remember that 405,000 soldiers here in the U.S. in World War II gave their lives to preserve our freedom. And here we are acting like their lives means nothing and throwing it away. I mean, we have to be willing to risk everything, to risk our lives if we if we want to put it in that direction, to preserve our freedoms. And, and I think that's what we have to start standing on. We have to say, you know what, if that means going out in public to risk this virus, which has a 98% survival rate, which is great, is it killing people? Yes. Is it horrible when you get it? Yes. It's no fun. Is it contagious? Yes. But once we, we reach enough people who have had it, it'll go around like the flu, right? But we have to start taking that stand saying, I'm not afraid because I know that if we don't do something today, we're losing every ounce that we have. And that's what I don't understand. There's, there's, uh, I'm not too happy with, with Jack Posobiec right now. He's pushing a lot of fear about the virus when for years he stood for freedom and I, I mean I'm not capping but I'm just I've seen a lot of people go to the other side and want to hide in their homes and I'm like well what about talk of give me liberty or give me death meant what what did that mean and so that's why I want to encourage everybody if we don't stand now and we don't keep standing we're gonna lose it we're gonna lose it all well I, th I think we need to start putting out the message okay look you want to have an election we'll have an election we'll unelect everyone who's in office i don't care who you are trump doesn't matter every one of you is going to be out and if america would resolve to threaten this watch how quickly they would change their strategy i i would hope so and that's the thing i think if <laughs> you know if people just we just have to wake up. We, we, we have so many. I, I wanted to put out a, a Facebook post the other day. I'm like, anybody not scared of this virus just want to hang out because it seems they're in short supply anymore. Uh, but it's just so many people are acting literally like this thing kills 80% of the people it touches when in reality it, it's the exact opposite. So it, it's they've really created that sense of bubble because a lot of people don't trust the government. Nobody does. So they say, well, maybe it's a low mortality rate, but some believe it's the opposite. Well, maybe it's killing a lot more than the government is letting on. And, and so they've took the side of fear thinking the government is underestimating when in reality, they're overestimating the death count. So you, you've got two sides. Both, I think, don't trust the, the numbers coming out. <laughs> but one trust it's overinflated, one trust it's underinflated. And I think that's where facts and, and you and I come in because we've been able to show through what the CDC is doing uh, that they're inflating the numbers. Now, if, if the CDC wasn't including presumed cases and the CDC wasn't saying if you have cancer and die of COVID, uh, then, then that wasn't included and the numbers were high, you know, then we could, you know, say, okay, well, 
here, you know, could possibly be the other alternative, but that's not the case. And I think that's why what you and I are doing are so important because so many people, you know, don't have time to do the research. And so a lot of people are living in fear because they're not educated on what's really going on. You, you couldn't have said it any better. And, and you know, I'm going to point a finger in another direction. It's non-political. You know, we can walk into Walmart or any of the box stores now without restriction. And there is very little in the word in the way of self-protection. You know, social distancing goes by the wayside the minute you get in the door. I can pick up a product with my bare hands and you can come right behind me, Lisa, and do the same thing. And the person right after you can do the same thing. So transmission could be rampant in these box stores. But here we come up on Easter, right? The biggest Christian holiday of the year. And you have people ticketed in their cars, their cars for worshiping on church property. When the churches should be open and you could have more services and have more social distance and people could wear masks and so forth. And, and you would have less risk there than you would in the box stores. So here's what we've let happen. And this is the pastor's fault. They have let their constitutional protection for First Amendment right to assemble and freedom of religion to be usurped by the right for corporate profits for the box stores. And these spineless pastors do not deserve to have their church. Amen. Oh, gosh. I couldn't have said you, you said that really good. And that's the thing. Okay. So the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of the saints. That's what it says. Yes. So, and now here we have pastors forsaking the assembly of the saints and they're doing it with open arms. And I'm like, what happened to God? I guess, you know, that didn't mean a whole great deal to you. Suddenly you're going to close your doors and cower to this. And I mean, there's some out there, you know, trying to have their uh, drive through services. At least that's a stand in the right direction. But I mean, to close your doors and say, you can uh, usurp uh, and tell me when and we can't when we can and can't serve God. That just shows me how gone the churches truly are today. And it makes me so mad that none of them are standing up. They just said, oh, I'm afraid of the virus. God said, lay, lay hands on the sick and heal them. But <laughs> now they're, you know, they're going nowhere near people. And it's like, okay, guess that didn't mean a hill of beans either. Pray for people, lay hands on the sick, uh, assembling of the saints, none of it's happening. Instead, they cower in fear, listen to their tyrant dictators and close their doors. And, and, and I'm just like, you know, I, it, it's making it very difficult. For me i know uh, these people are not worthy of my allegiance they're not worthy of my tithing because they're not standing up for god and that's that's the thing that i cannot get myself past you don't deserve to be a representative of the lord on this planet unless you're willing to pay the ultimate price you know such as the saints paid the 12 disciples the price they paid to spread christianity these people won't even do a fraction of that they're spineless wonders yeah, it's not like the 12 disciples when they went out. They had more stuff spreading back then that they didn't have cure for. And they died a lot younger than anyone else in our generation. And they went out, risked their lives, uh, risked even the law of the land. They went against the law of the land. And, and, and instead of being worried about getting sick... You know, this is, it's like, okay, I'm worried about getting sick, but the, but the apostles were worried about literally losing their lives. You know... And, and we have such a slim chance with this pandemic, you know, yes, yes, it hurts. You know, if you fall into risk categories, 80 and over, we well, need to take massive precautions, right? But 
at any aspect, we have to compare and do what the Bible told us and not cower in fear. And that's what they're doing. So they're setting the example uh, for the population saying, well, under the circumstances of COVID-19 false God, we now have a right not to follow God, not to congregate, and we can just spread our messages online via the virtual world. We're still spreading the gospel message, not in the same powerful way that you do when you congregate, not in the same powerful way that you do when you have that in-person conversation like the apostles did, but they laid everything on the line. God doesn't say, invent, in case of a pandemic, don't go out. And this ain't even uh, Ebola. Like, we're not talking Ebola here. We're, we're talking flu. And, and once this thing is done and over and they've got an official count, they're going to say, oh, this is comparable to the flu. Why? Because we already know the game plan. We already know that's going to happen. And so that's what we're going to see by the end of this. They can over-exaggerate it, but by the end, it'll be comparable to the flu. And this is what we gave up our freedoms for and it makes me very sick and I have to agree with you do you even tie tie to that and right now I'm not I'm tithing to other agencies more political and Christian oriented because they're just more powerful and doing more for our freedom right now I know and I'm, that's not the I'm, case for everybody I get it I go to Arizona's largest church and they're good at least until now and now they have totally bent over in the face of tyrannical government and they're sacrificing the spiritual welfare of their flock. And you're right. Don't tell me that when I see you on the computer, it's the same as being there, taking communion, and being there in conjunction with fellow Christians involved in group prayer. Those things are powerful, and they've sacrificed the main elements of their religion wherever two or more are gathered in his name, is what the Bible says. And it doesn't say gathered on the internet. They mean gathered in person. So I'm writing them and I'm telling them I'm withdrawing my tithe until you have the backbone to do what Christian leaders did, including Jesus, when he went into the temple and chased out the money changers, the authority of the day. Until you have the guts to do what Jesus did, you don't get one dime of my money. Well, if there is a church in Arizona that does finally do that, let me know. I'll tithe to them. Exactly. Even over and above. I would, I would, over and above. I'm like, okay, you want to do that? Just for the mere fact that you did that, I'm now supporting you forever. Amen. <laughs> you know, no. You're going to stand for our freedom. I'm with you. You know, there's something else to consider, too. If it weren't for slavery, Lisa, and, and, and I want to make sure, these words are going to get twisted by the left, I guarantee you. But if it weren't for slavery, and if anyone takes that part out, I will sue you. If it weren't for slavery, I would have supported the Confederacy if I were alive then, because it was all-encompassing, all-powerful, all-dictator, all-tyrannical North imposing their financial will on the South for industry over agriculture and the tariffs destroyed the Southern economy. But because of the slavery factor, I can't say I could support those people. But their issues in the South, if you take slavery out of it, or are less severe in 1861 than our issues are today. We're in a much worse situation. We should be on the verge of civil war, historically speaking. I'm not advocating for violence. I'm just saying, being a student of history, we should be on the verge of civil war right now. These people have taken away our jobs. They've taken away our religion. They've taken away our ability to put roof over our heads, to feed our kids, to have a safe and secure future. It's been deliberate, and we're doing nothing. 
And right now, I'm calling on America to ignore these illegal laws, these constitutional violations. Ignore them. Open your business. Go out in public. Wear a mask, please, for the most part, but go out in public. Am I being too extreme for you, Lisa? No, you're not. If I had a business, I would be doing that and just suffer the fines. And, you know, it, it, I think we, I mean, there comes a point where we're going to have to do that. Here's the thing. They claimed that we needed the TSA to, to save millions of lives, right? <laughs> they claimed we needed the Patriot Act to save millions of lives. Obamacare, UN, CFR, Trilateral Commission, uh, vaccines, all of this to save millions of lives. They needed to take our guns to save millions of lives. And now they're gonna claim that they want us locked down to save millions of lives. I mean, really? Here's the thing. Lives always need saving, always. You, you never can ever have one second in time that a life doesn't need saving. So the game by these democratic operatives, by these globalists will never ever end until we're on a Gestapo leash, until we're on a tyrannical leash, because there's always lives that need saving. And it's the same cry from these people. It doesn't matter what's happening. They always use lives to steal freedom. And, and people should know that. This, this is a pattern. It's a pattern. Well, that's what I said in the intro section before you joined us, um, before we went live after the break. I said that uh, Ben Franklin's words are not being heeded today, that those who would sacrifice their liberty for security will get nor deserve neither. And this is the lesson Americans have not learned. And we've been burned on this in a big way since since 9-11. You're absolutely right with the examples you gave. And we haven't learned a darn thing. We're, we're still making the same mistakes. We are. And I think we need to educate people on how to battle it because uh, with our words, right? Uh, and, and so like we have people like Alyssa Milano out there. She put out a tweet, can't stand the woman. And she says, oh, look at all these people in Michigan out and about and, and protesting. Uh, they're stupid. They're spreading the virus. And it's like, no, 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 ma'am. No, ma'am. They are standing up for their freedoms, for your freedoms, by the way, and they're risking everything, putting on the line, being out there. So these are the, that's the kind of rhetoric we need to make. We also need to call out their their ludicrousness. There's the only argument that the that they have right now for these lockdowns is people are going to die. That's the only argument. That's it. There's only one. So you have to discredit that. Okay. Well, you get a car and drive, and that's reckless, but yet you still drive even though you know you could kill someone in the process. Uh, same with the flu. Well, last year you didn't lock down for the flu and it didn't matter then, this year it suddenly does. Oh, but let's not mention the pure hypocrisy of the entire thing this year. They are willing to send, and I'm just giving people ideas to write down and, and combat this. Uh, these people who are for the lockdowns, right? They say, oh, well, we'll let essential workers work no, they are forcing essential workers to work. They have to go to work while these people who are scared and freaked out hide behind their homes in their lockdowns and they lock themselves in, in their homes and say, oh, well, you're a hero for being out. But yet the hypocrisy of it is they're forcing essential workers to do their bidding to feed them while they hide in their homes. It's just pure hypocrisy. I say, let us all out. Don't force people to be out and not be out. I'm willing to take it all together and let people decide themselves whether or not they want to stay home. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And um, I'm telling you, if they've closed golf courses in your area, walk on. Just start playing. Um, I got an email from a guy in Chicago a couple of weeks ago. He got fined $1,000 for shooting baskets by himself 
150 feet from his home. And a gentleman uh, was put into handcuffs in Brighton, Colorado, suburb of Denver. And what was he doing? He was committing the unforgivable sin of playing t-ball with his six-year-old daughter and no one else around. And they handcuffed the man in front of her. You you see, right now, I'm saying we go full response to this tyranny. The the, the real virus here is not COVID-19. It's tyrannical control of government over its people. I agree 100%. And that's why I just want to encourage people, if you're in Arizona, get out to the Patriots rally. Make your voice heard Monday, April 20th at noon there at Wesley Boslin Memorial Park, 1700 West Washington Street, uh, and join us out there. Well, Lisa, also, too, along that line, I want people to be able to follow you to get the latest updates. You have never been more on point than you are now, and you've been on point a lot. But today, I think you are more on point than I've ever heard you. And uh, your voice needs to be out there more prominently. And so tell people how they can follow your good work. Yeah, they can check me out at restrictedrepublic.com. I have that platform. Or you can just get on YouTube or go to lisahaven.news are the two websites. So thank you. Lisahaven.news. I mean, that is a great, great site. Talk to me about the, uh, I'm sorry, what was that again? Restricted? Restricted Republic. That one is a new one that I kicked off with uh, Justice Knight, but it's it's a paywall platform. But that's because YouTube has told us there's we can't talk about Wuhan uh, being uh, uh, you know the the virus coming out of Wuhan. We can't talk about uh, you know certain things they demonetize and strike you for. So all of that information plus other information goes on to RestrictedRepublic.com because in all honesty, we don't know how long we're going to be allowed on YouTube. And at this rate, uh, they're basically, they're, they're banning uh, all kinds of people from being able to speak online who are supporting rallies. They're saying, let's go to a rally. Well, Twitter is banning you saying, well, you are putting lives at risk. This is what we're facing right now, which is why I, I'm, I'm happy I started Restricted Republic because they're slowly kicking people off saying you're killing people because you're telling people uh, the truth about coronavirus. And this is where we're really at. Or, or you're encouraging people to gather uh, and protest this while you're spreading the virus. So you're putting lives at risk. So you're kicked off. And that's what we're faced with today. It's really, really sad. Well, it really is. And what, what they're not reporting is the tyranny as we started out in this broadcast is killing more people than the virus ever could. And we quoted those figures. You know, one other thing too, before I let you go, uh, Dr. Phil, who's a psychologist and he's, he does therapy. Dr. Oz, who works in the one of the main hospitals for treating COVID, they've come on and said, we're destroying our country. We should never have done what's being done. And the New York Times comes out and says, why are we listening to these imposters? They're not experts. It just never ends with these people. And folks, this is why I'm telling you, unless you're willing to risk all and get out in the streets, say goodbye to your life. It's never coming back to normal. Lisa, uh, I'm proud to call you my sister in Christ. I appreciate the work you do. And please go until they won't let us go anymore. Thank you for being with us here on the Common Sense Show. Thanks, Dave. Everybody else, stay tuned. We'll be right back.